okay uh, the uh, share of the value of the cup of coffee that we drink a major share of that should go to the farmers then only the coffee industry can survive right. which is very important and if as of now the farmers are not getting a good share so if the current situation continues in 10 years we may not have good coffee in india that's for sure hello everyone welcome to the next episode of brood stories today we have akasha from mountain bean coffee he's a fifth generation coffee planter and in this cof in this episode you'll learn more about coffee and what was behind a planter's mind hey adi i'm fine how are you doing i'm good i'm good just having my first uh, coffee of the day on a saturday weekend and just enjoying and looking forward to, to a great weekend lovely what coffee are you having today i'm having a ratnagiri anaerobic fermented one so uh, if if you great. like to like yeah. uh, introduce yourself and mountain bean coffee uh, how would you do it uh I am basically a fifth generation coffee grower in my family. Uh I was born and brought up on my plantation. In fact I was not born in a hospital or anything I was born in my plantation house. <laughs> okay. So that's why I would call myself a born and brought up in the coffee plantation. Right? And uh, uh most of my uh school days and the study days have been in the Western Ghats mountains. So that way you know I stay connected with my landscape. And uh moving forward in my academics i got into agricultural sciences uh, i have a masters in agricultural economics and rural development okay and uh, the masters of uh, rural development i did in uh, europe mm-hmm. and uh, once i completed the studies then i came back to india mm-hmm. and then also i'm professionally uh, a data scientist okay. and uh, also i'm um, into coffee cultivation full time uh, and because i heard that you are a data scientist i have some of the points where i actually jotted down the data and that's what we'll be talking about but before that uh, tell me something about mountain bean coffee and how did it actually evolve from the first generation like the people who actually started like maybe your great grandfathers and how is it right now for you okay uh in terms of coffee growing from my estate and my family perspective we have been growing coffee since 1890s uh the document that we have regarding the coffee that we cultivate in our estate dates back to you know mid 1890s so we have a coffee sale bill of uh, that period which shows that we very much in advance uh, you know much before that period you know we started growing coffee okay so then you know the estate was named after the village where the estate is located it's called as the elagudike estate so there may be more estates within the you know same locality with the same name so that that's how the estates were named earlier okay by the location uh mountain bean as a brand so that evolved very recently so we have been growing coffee but there was no brand or name given to the coffee which is grown in the estate mm. and uh, then you know once i came back from uh, europe after my studies uh, there i happened to come across some of the case studies in europe where people have used uh, a typical food which is grown in a particular region using that food as the identity of that region when we say a particular uh, food for example Uh, there was something called as bigliolo beans in italy 
in the remote areas of Italy. That beans had got typical taste, typical flavor, and uh, uh, because of the soil and the water which is present in that region and the you know landscape and its attributes. Mm-hmm. So that bean was branded in a local name, and when that bean was sold, the value of the region was also sold along with it. People start recognizing the region through that produce. So this was one of the kind of uh, lessons I learned during my studies in Europe. Then when I got back, then I realized coffee is one of the unique produce that we produce in Chikmagalur region or uh, in uh, the southwestern parts of Karnataka, Chikmagalur, Hassan, and Kurt Belt. It's very unique, and we are so proud of growing coffee within our region. Mm-hmm. Why not give a name and identity to the produce? And when people buy the produce, they also recognize the values of the region. Right. Uh, values in terms of our culture, our lifestyle, our food habits, our language, our dialects, our way of life. So, and the sheer landscape in which coffee is grown. All these are the values. It's not just the monetary value of the produce. Right. Mm-hmm. So that was the basis of you know formulating the concept of uh, having mountain bean. Mm-hmm. And mountain bean was a name which just came into our mind because... One is we live on the mountains. Okay. Second one is the bean is the source of our life. Every bean adds value to our life. So it's the livelihood. It's the source of our livelihood. It also brings monetary benefits. It also brings the livelihood benefits to the people. So that's why mountain bean, uh, the, no, uh, the name got uh, formulated. And uh, it was in uh, 2019 that we launched the brand. We thought, why not launch it from our estate itself? So we grow coffee Mm -hmm. and our produce will first go as Mountain Bean brand. So here we are with Mountain Bean as our own estate brand to begin with. Right. And that's an amazing story, particularly to the changes. If I see it has been more than like 130 years. Uh, So what practices have been changed in the last 130 years? Okay. Uh, See, that's a good question. What practices have changed? That is one thing. And the also very imperative questions will be, what practices have we tried to retain? Okay. Both are very important for us. Yes. Mm-hmm. See, when we say we are traditional growers, so our traditional way of growing is associated with uh, the local landscape, local nature, mm-hmm. right? Local ecosystem. So we have to respect that. Okay. If I look back at the evidence uh, evidences for coffee cultivation in my estate. I see trees which are like probably 150, 200 years. I don't know the exact uh, age, but definitely looking at its girth or height, you know, I can uh, probably estimate their age, which is not less than 150 or 200 years. There are some trees, you know, we need at least five people to hug it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's like that. So when we look at such trees, and if you look at the branching habits, up to 60 to 70 feet, there are no branches. Above 70 feet, it is full of canopy, right? Yeah. And between that ground level to the 60 and 70 feet, you don't see any evidence of branches being cut or any cuts being made on the trees, which means whatever was practiced earlier, they respected the local ecosystem. Right. right, And they try to retain whatever the originality of the landscape was hmm. without altering the originality of it. When we say, you know, we are eco-friendly uh, and sustainable agricultural practices, if our plantation has sustained for last 130 years, 
the practices that have been followed have been sustainable and eco-friendly, which is why still we have the plantation. So primarily in our estate management, it is essential to respect the traditional way of cultivation. And in terms of changes that you ask, yes, mm -hmm. in terms of the varieties that have been cultivated, we have moved from earlier the tall varieties, which are relatively low yielding, to the relatively newer varieties, which are semi-dwarf and dwarf varieties, which are relatively higher yielding. So maybe in terms of varietal cultivation shifts, that has mm -hmm. happened. But in terms of management, we have tried to balance with the traditional practices as well as the requirements of the current estate management demands. Right. That's amazing. And here I would like to like add some points. So a lot of times in life, we speak about what next, what, what is the next thing that we are looking at, but we don't like to sustain the belief or the skills that we earlier have. So that's something which I learned like from you today, like what, like uh, if you keep your practices, habits or skills and just sustain it and just do something better every time, it would be great apart from being a monkey mind and looking out to new places every single day. So that's something right. great. Uh, up, like moving on to the next question that I would like to ask you with the current situation where a lot of protests is happening by farmers and a lot of things in the media. But how is a coffee board actually helping Indian farmer? And this is actually coming directly from a farmer. So I would like to know more right. about it. Great. Uh, see, uh, like uh, from the government, there is a board or a department set up to take care of every uh, sector or uh, you know every section of business or activities within the country so likewise coffee board was also formulated i think right at the time of our independence to look into uh, coffee based activities within the country the mandate of coffee board had been uh, primarily three things one is uh, to give the research based support second one is the extension-based support, extension, when I say extension, it is carrying forward the research which is done at the uh, experimental level, which is at the lab level to the farm level. That is the extension of knowledge. And the third one had been extending the government financial benefits to the farmers in, in the form of subsidies, uh, primarily in the form of subsidies uh, to various things, maybe in terms of supply of uh, planting materials, supply of uh, you know machineries, or you know, supporting the estate development activities like you know, uh, creation yard or setting up of a pulping unit or you know, digging of uh, you know, water pond within the estate. So this kind of benefit transfer to the coffee growing community from the government, which is a support, right? So these have been the three main roles: research, extension, and the support. Right. But off late, what we have been seeing is there is dilution of this focus of the coffee board from these priorities. Right? Of course, research is happening, but the rigor of research probably has reduced. Extension has to be very strong because what happens in the research front has to be taken to the ground level at the field level. That is being diluted because the evidence of that, you know, what we are seeing is the offices of the coffee board at the Hobley level mm -hmm. are being closed down and only the offices at the district headquarters level are being retained, right? Mm -hmm. And then the number of subsidies which were given earlier have been drastically reduced now. For missionaries, there is no subsidy. For implement of infrastructure, there is no subsidy. Very, very limited support, 
okay so this has happened drastically in last like 4 to 5 years so which has uh, not gone down very well among the plantation the demand of the plantation community is that we have to further strengthen the coffee board not to dilute it mm-hmm. there is a proposal within the government to integrate coffee board with the spices board and then keep it as one board for the national level right so that will further dilute the activities and focus and mandate of coffee board right. so that is the the primary demand of the growers is that don't dilute it it has coffee board has definitely played a key role in the past we want the role to continue and continue the support to the coffee growing community which is much needed now than before that's the demand of the growers and the demand is very peaceful and it's not agitated or it's not you know involving any violence it's a very decent and it's a very justified and dignified demand that the coffee growers are making right and uh, i do completely agree with you because i have my numbers with me right now so i uh, let let me quote the uh, place from where i got it it's the coffee board of india the january database so it says that in 1950 uh, we contributed 4. Point something percent to the world coffee production but now it has reduced to 2. Point, uh, approximately 2% so is uh, what would be the reasons for it like are other countries right. moving at a better pace than india or is there some there, there there should be something wrong right where we like 2% for the whole country is something very huge so and uh, in in i think okay. 70 years uh, why like why have we reduced it uh, from 4% to 2% okay so one is looking at it in terms of the relative percentage mm-hmm. another one is looking looking at it in terms of absolute numbers okay Right. If you look at the absolute numbers, I am sure compared to 1950s, we have increased at least three to four times now. Yeah. Right. So that doesn't mean that our overall production or productivity has gone down. Probably productivity has stagnated, but in terms of the uh, geographic span under which coffee is grown, has probably definitely expanded. The area under coffee cultivation has expanded for sure. Mm-hmm. And in terms of our position in the global market, we might have stepped down a couple of ranks. probably because few of other countries have expanded aggressively hmm. and the scope of expansion like other countries is very limited in india because right. as compared to many of the other major coffee growing countries like brazil colombia or vietnam there the most of the coffee is sun grown coffee okay where you don't need shade you just grow in like farms in like thousands of lakhs of acres flat hmm. land open area and all but in india on contrast to that kind of cultivation we are all shade grown coffee right our ability and in terms of and uh, possibility of expansion of coffee cultivation across mm-hmm. the non traditional belts is very very limited one is because of the climatic factors and the one is the type of varieties that we have mm-hmm. and the coffee cultivation that suits to indian conditions the geographic span is very limited and right. these areas are also mountainous areas you just cannot go rampantly expanding the areas it has got its own you know sanctity and restrictions to be imposed uh, in terms of expansion so right. and uh, that way, that way you know if you look at uh, there has been expansion in the yeah. area but not as much as it has happened in the uh, other countries and right. in sun grown conditions the productivity is definitely higher as compared to the shade grown okay but Shade grown is more sustainable as compared to the sun grown. Sun grown, right? 
Okay. Yeah, but absolute numbers definitely. You know, we are on. Uh, yeah. We are. We have definitely increased as compared to nineteen. Yeah. So definitely, the number of production in terms of uh, the product. Like, if I had to say the production of coffee year on year, obviously it has increased. But uh, I just happened to compare it with all the the uh, coffee growing nations, and that's how. That's why the percentages uh, basically had uh, some reason. But yeah. i completely agree with uh, so you spoke about uh, shade grown coffee and i'd like to m- know more uh, so what is shade grown coffee uh, and how and what are the indicators where uh, you find a responsible plantation methods okay uh, see when it comes to shade grown coffee so unlike the sun grown coffee in shade grown coffee you tend to retain the uh, canopy of the estate and then the coffee is grown under the canopy under the shade of the trees mm-hmm. okay so this is the basic concept of shade grown coffee uh, where the shade within the estate will be like about 50% to 80% of the actual light you know which is available outside okay so that's the concept of shade grown uh, coming to the mm-hmm. second part of the question in terms of the indicators of responsible management of plantation okay see this is very very important so for us you know as an outsider as well as uh, as an insider to know what are the indicators to say if my estate management is good it's not just the productivity hmm. it's not just how much i grow per uh, unit area that's not the indicator of responsible management okay so in terms of responsible management the indicators would be uh, the biodiversity of your estate for example okay. right uh when i say biodiversity for example in my estate i find about 150 species of birds oh nice hmm. right and there are about 10 species of mammals and whole lots of butterflies frogs okay. snakes hmm. right? right moths right insects hmm. right so it's very and then i just uh, wanted to like uh, do, i didn't wanted to cut you off but yeah i feel it's very important to coexist with the natural diversity and uh, at the same time yeah. carry out carry out your own uh, activities about whatever activities uh, you do <laughs> right absolutely so these are the indicators are we allowing the other species to thrive in the vicinity where we live and uh, you know uh, grow whatever for our living okay uh, suppose you know if i am seeing a particular species of bird or a butterfly say 10 years back and if i am not seeing the same species now there mm. is something wrong in my estate right or if i have seen something which i have not seen before mm. that indicates that something is good and something good, good is happening good. in my estate right right mm. if i am if there is a small very tiny stream which you remember as a childhood you know memory that the stream had been flowing then but now it is not flowing in your estate that indicates that there is something wrong in your estate right hmm. right when you take a look and walk around the estate if you see any dead or dry wood in the estate if you just let it on its own to you know dry fall off and then decompose and become a uh, soil that's a good indication okay right if you don't see too many cut branches in the estate that's a good indication of an estate a very well managed estate see these are important as well right this decides you asked about the specialty coffee uh, management right right 
So this is also the specialty management aspects of the coffee plantation, not just the coffee okay. as such. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not all estates which give out very good coffee are well managed. Okay. There may be detrimental practices which people adopt in the process mm-hmm. of production, but their coffees may be great. But right. the way the coffee is produced may not be great. So it's essential to bring in that balance in mm-hmm. coffee production as well as the coffee quality. So right. as as coffee growers, as traditional coffee growers, or anybody who loves coffee, it's essential for us to understand these delicate indicators of right. good coffee estate management. Nice, yeah, and I completely agree with you. And I uh, know that there's that there goes so much after growing a cup of coffee. Earlier, we were extensively uh, Arabica growing country, uh, which has now turned to robusta growing country. uh so any particular reason for it uh okay uh, see in terms of uh, percentage i think more or less we are on a 50 50 basis or on a 45 55 kind of ratio in terms of arabica to robusta mm-hmm. okay right a uh, few factors which might probably be contributing to this uh, you know ratio being shifted more towards robusta okay mm-hmm. uh, see primarily Uh, if you look at the traditional coffee belt uh, coffee had always uh, arabica coffee had always been grown on the higher elevations right. higher elevations when we say it's about 1000 uh, feet above sea level mm-hmm. and 1000 uh, meters above sea level and yeah. higher right okay so 1000 meters to make yeah. a note of that okay mm-hmm. and uh, robusta has always been below 1000 uh, meters right right so because robusta preferred a uh, high rainfall humid condition humid and warm condition arabica prefers a high rainfall cooler uh, conditions right so this is how the traditional split was but now what has happened over a period of time is the main key contributing factor that we see at the field level is the uh, labor issues in terms of estate management okay yes and uh in the last 10 years or so the nearing match of the prices for arabica and robusta mm-hmm. right so when to expand on these two factors uh, arabica is considered more labor intensive as compared to robusta mm-hmm. okay so increasingly there is a challenge to get more laborers into coffee plantation sector robusta is in terms of management it is less in, uh, intensive mm-hmm. so that is one of the factors so second factor as i said in terms of price so the price of the arabica parchment and the robusta parchment came very close earlier it used to be like robusta used to be like 40% of arabica so last few years it was like very close of course this year it's been again like almost 50% of it but in terms of price remuneration it was also attractive in last say 7 to 8 years and the third probably another significant reason why there is a tendency of shifting towards uh, robusta is arabica is more prone to some of the uh, pests like the white stem borer hmm. right so if you have a plant of say 30 30 years of age or say 5 years of age if there is an infestation of white stem borer the plant is gone for its life you have to go for replanting 
So this challenge is very less in Robusta. Right? So Robusta is resistant to white stem borer. Once you plant, it stays for ages. Right. So the relative risks of cultivating Robusta is mm -hmm. less. And the remuneration has been fairly good in terms of uh, you know looking at the markets and economics. So that way, that's why probably people started choosing uh, Robusta over Arabica. Mm -hmm. And in traditional Arabica belts, now we are seeing that Robusta is being cultivated. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, oh, nice. And you spoke about traditional uh, belts. So uh, there's something known as traditional co coffee growing methods and specialty coffee growing methods. So could you like uh, put some light on it? Like what, what does specialty growing method actually mean? and how is it different from the traditional brewing methods? Okay, so you are asking about the brewing methods. Okay. Uh, the brewing uh, methods. So any particular uh, way in which the traditional coffee was grown and now how the new coffee has been grown, the specialty coffee is grown. Or, uh, or let okay. me actually reframe this. How is, uh, is something different with the processing methods uh, and everything? Okay, so uh, see, in terms of growing coffee, uh, at the stage of growing coffee, I don't know there will be an, any difference between a specialty coffee and a non-specialty coffee. Mm -hmm. okay. okay, so at the stage of growing coffee, you can uh, probably say whether the way of being uh, growing coffee, way of growing coffee is right or wrong, whether it is sustainable or non-sustainable, whether it is eco-friendly or not eco-friendly. Mm -hmm. whether it is well managed or not well managed okay the concept of speciality comes in once you are harvest right so in the stage of cultivation you can differentiate between whether it is an organic coffee or not organic coffee okay. organic coffee or you know uh, less chemical coffee yeah. something like that Mm -hmm. Okay, so that differentiation you can make at the growing levels. Right. When it comes to specialty coffee, mm -hmm. that starts once you start harvesting the coffee. How your produce is handled mm -hmm. with the harvest and soon after the harvest, after the harvest and the processing, uh, post harvest processing, how your coffee is handled, that determines whether your coffee is a specialty coffee or a not, not so specialty. Okay, nice. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, in terms of growing, you can definitely have good management practices, which are called as gap in agriculture, good agricultural practices, or if they are not of good agricultural practices. I would probably suggest we should have a fairly sustainable, ecologically sound management practices. Mm -hmm. That value should get incorporated in the specialties of the coffee that we consume. Okay, right. specialty coffee should not only be the post-harvest processing that we do, it right. should also be the way in which the coffees have been grown. That should also add to the uniqueness of the coffee. That's more. Right. That's interesting. Yeah, and I do agree with you. Uh, and like putting on to the future plans. Uh, in the last year, you saw that there are many process methods like anaerobic yeast fermented, fruit fermented. Uh, so how is it changing in future and what are the new processes that uh, farmers are actually doing from this year for, if I had to say, 2021 harvest? Uh, okay. 
see i'll tell you uh, uh, considering practical uh, in a situations on the uh, field during harvest okay, okay. Uh, for example i'll tell you my uh, example which i experienced this time mm-hmm. okay uh, i was reserving a particular block for naturals which i actually dreamt of having this year okay okay uh, i just allowed that block to ripen to a, a optimum level and then i thought i'll go into the harvesting okay but just two days before i was supposed to reach that block there was rains for five days okay that completely changed what i should do in that block hmm. i lost almost 30% of my produce of that block which i reserved for my naturals okay mm-hmm. okay so a lot of things what we tend to look at uh, you know okay this i have to do so much of naturals or so much of fermented so much of uh, you know whole lot of other specialty coffees depends on your ground level what's the situation and uh, what what is happening at the ground level mm-hmm. and you want to harvest next day or next two days your labors don't turn up due to whatever reasons okay your plans have gone for it us okay but having said that now what shift we are seeing at the field level is there is a lot of emphasis on quality okay to streamline the uh, distortion of quality that used to happen earlier so mm-hmm. to reduce that and ensure that there is good flow of quality right from harvest pulping drying mm-hmm. and then till the packaging yeah so okay. once that is focused upon then the additionals that you can do in terms of say honey process or mm-hmm. you know raised bed naturals or anything so those are the additional ones which people are trying to do but right. not everybody is in a position to do it okay yeah not all farmers can do out of 100 farmers maybe 3 or 4 or 5 may be able to do it okay not all farmers will be able to do a farmer mm-hmm. who has primarily who is having a knowledge of it okay. secondly who has the financial ability to do it third mm-hmm. one if he has the time and energy to spend on that particular process then he will be able to do it okay if we don't have any of these three then it's very difficult to do it and not many farmers have all these abilities to do mm. and this cannot be just because i have money i just cannot order my labors to do it that's okay. not possible right right and i should know the process because somebody else is doing in my neighboring estate i just cannot you know put a raised bed and then do what not and then say this is my specialty coffee i should also have a knowledge of it and a hands on of trying to do it and how exactly it has to be done Mm-hmm. we have to monitor it very delicately and ensure that all the procedures are followed and not all the coffee growers have this ability to do okay. there are so many coffee growers who still don't have a proper drying yard okay which mm-hmm. is surfaced properly to dry it that's the situation at the ground level but whoever has the ability of course there are some remarkable coffee growers who are doing exceptional job in this field mm-hmm. uh, we really appreciate them for doing it because uh we learn lessons from such people right and now we are seeing that some growers at the estate level they are trying to adopt this with within whatever limitations they have been you know facing right. uh at mountain bean also now you know we have started adopting the raised beds and then you know trying to do the naturals over the raised beds with some mm-hmm. fermentation of say 36 hours or 24 yeah. hours right uh, and then you know also doing some honey processed 
So just trying to experiment this and this is not the end. It's a continuous process. Maybe next year we might try to do something or do away with something else also. Yeah. And not all the specialty things are scalable. There is a limitation okay. to it. Yeah. Out of whatever you produce. Mm-hmm. So probably about uh, say 20, 30% or maximum. Yeah. That would be a maximum limit, which would probably go into specialty. A lot of food, yeah. will, a lot of produce would still go into our regular way of, you know, having a Arabica parchment or an Arabica cherry and then going mm-hmm. with the normal. Yeah. Okay. And that's, that's a very good insight. And that's something what uh, I'd never heard of. But yeah, uh, I really appreciate this. Uh, in the recent times, I've seen many more women entrepreneurs getting into coffee and coffee business. Uh, so how would you say it? And what what are the uh, what is your thought on women women's entering into coffee? And women in coffee, to be more precise. See, uh, that's a very uh, valid question that you have uh, brought up. See, women in coffee is not a new concept in coffee uh, cultivation. Mm-hmm. Actually, if you look at women are the backbone of coffee industry, especially when it comes to production. So two aspects. One is from the estate management perspective, you can see uh, every planter's wife who is actively involved in coffee plantation management. So the plantation women and their tribes are so typical and so strong they can manage a whole lot of things in a bold way. You know, if you look at my mother, okay, mm. she takes care of the entire plantation on her own. You arrange the logistics, she is there to stand up and, you know, uh, ready to manage things. Right. Right. And when it comes to the workforce, majority of the coffee plantation workforce are women. Okay. Right. Mm. So they also form a great strength for the coffee industry. Right. So if you ask a role of women in Mountain Bean and our estate, hmm. so my mother and my wife are the backbone of my mother is the backbone of my estate and my wife is the backbone of Mountain Bean. Okay. Right. So that way women play not only in Mountain Bean, in mm-hmm. coffee industry, women play a great role. Maybe in the new generation, there are not many people who are directly within involved in the coffee management as such. But yes. If you go to the field and look at the coffee plant, the hardcore coffee plantations, women play a great role in it. And their knowledge of coffee plantation is tremendous. I mean, my mother says, okay, this plant is not pruned properly Hmm. because they know how pruning is done. For the last 40, 50 years, they have been on the plantation and seen how this is done. If you send one particular batch of labors to a particular block, they Hmm. said so many labors have gone in, so much of work has to be done. Why is it not done? Okay. It's not just that you know they stay at home. It's coffee plantation women culture is completely different and they are the backbone. And we are very proud to say that women have been given a very good place in estate management and coffee industry, especially when it comes to production. I'm proud to say that. And I'm really honored and I have great respect for women in coffee. Absolutely. See, when there are more women engaged, so this is all rural area. When they engaged in a when they are engaged in an economic activity, you are also contributing to the rural development and rural economy sustenance. Right. Right. If a woman is earning or if a woman in a, is engaged in an economic activity, she takes care of her family as well. The benefits get percolated. Right. right? So that way it's a great role that coffee industry is playing. Right? right. So and coffee plays a great role in women empowerment as well. Imagine who is his brother. 
who is from which exact location his coffee is coming from okay nice. that's the direct connect okay mm-hmm. uh, having said that you know people uh, who want to buy our coffee can dm us on our instagram handle mountainbean.india or just drop us a message at 8310295906 we also have our uh, website mountainbean.in we have our facebook page as well mountainbean.india so any of these places you come there is scope for direct messages drop a message say hi that we will respond back and then whatever you have a requirement you know we'll ship it to you directly definitely that's good and moving on to the last segment obviously this was a conversation which i had not stopped talking about but yeah with the time limit that we have for the podcast yeah. uh moving on to the last segment which is a famous five so in the famous five i'll be uh, maybe telling you a sentence okay. or a word and whatever comes to your mind this you have to uh, maybe get back uh, as quick as possible okay so let's start okay okay so right. the first one your favorite coffee south indian filter coffee okay your favorite brewing method uh pour over okay one thing that you would like to change about the coffee industry okay uh the uh, share of the value of the cup of coffee that we drink a major share of that should go to the farmers then only the coffee industry can survive Right. which is very important and if as of now the farmers are not getting a good share so if the current situation continues in 10 years we may not have good coffee in india that's for sure one of the biggest lessons you have had in the last 12 months uh, learning is a continuous process and whatever we know is less so the more we learn the more we become aware that how ignorant we were about certain things it's not just that you know i have been growing coffee for last 130 years within my family doesn't mean that i know everything so there are a lot of people who know a lot of things be open to new ideas keep learning keep improvising okay nice and uh, if we are to make a rule uh, that everyone would follow about coffee what rule it would be uh, see in especially in coffee cultivation respect your land okay respect mm-hmm. your local ecosystem stay in tune with your nature don't do anything against your nature mm-hmm. if the coffee has to be sustainable if it has to be eco friendly so we have to live in tune with nature we cannot be going against it we cannot be doing stupid things in terms of management or any of the other aspects when it comes to coffee cultivation or even you know we cannot be putting out false things in the market we cannot be destroying our own values okay so recognize your own values support your local ecosystem live in tune with nature and continue this this is not a, a you know rat race or you know we are not in a hurry competing with anybody so the more you sustain yourself with your own identities and values the more it's good for the coffee industry right and that's a good interview as well as a good conversation that i had and i truly appreciated so as we come to the end of the podcast i truly want to thank you and be grateful for your time and talking to me about coffee and coffee plantation uh, it was great having you on the podcast thank you so much yeah thanks adi it was a great conversation so i think you know we should 
have more of such with different stakeholders in coffee industry uh, and uh, exchange more uh, ideas and thoughts. I hope uh, coffee is such a fantastic subject to talk about and also to uh, enjoy. It's a great drink in the world. It's a great one of the greatest gifts that the world has as of now. That's what I feel. So let's uh, hope that good things roll out for everyone out there in the world of coffee.